If you're walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. If you're walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. Those words, the second part of that verse, roll off the tongue easily, don't they? Trust in the Lord and rely on your God. But if you're in a dark place and, and you hear that, you go, oh yeah, I knew he'd say that. It's like, it's easy to say, but I do want to tell you, sometimes it's so dark where there's no rays of light, it's hard to do. And I've, you know, I know that it would be great if our walk of following Jesus was a, a victory march, constant victory march, you know, going from one one brilliant light to an even greater brilliant light and every day that we're just seeing the victory of Jesus everywhere. But there are times when we can't see them at all because it's too dark. And there's other times when we live in this tension between the brightness of God and this other thing happening over here that seems so dark and we have a tempt temptation to either hide away in the brightness and try and ignore the darkness or we get swallowed up in the darkness and we don't see the light. And God says, in those times, the times of brilliant light, trust me. In times of darkness, trust me. In times when you're in the middle, trust me. And I sort of come into the conclusion that life is one whole journey of God giving us lessons about trust, <laughs> a teaching us to trust because every time you trust a bit more you realize that you weren't trusting much before and there's more trust to come and these things that happen in our life whether they're great wonderful victories whether they're times of darkness without even one ray of light are opportunities for us to learn something about trust to dig deeper trust we um some of us Baineses and us went last night we missed out on a good night here, but we went to hear a lady called Gladys Staines speak. Gladys Staines is a... Um, her family is the focus of a movie that's just come out that is called Least of These. Um, it's in the theatres now, in the mainstream theatres. encourage you to go and see that. I haven't seen it, but I've heard Rod and Anne have, and, and others last night said it's really good. And it's really good to support these... Uh, when a Christian movie does get into the mainstream, to support it, to send a message. <laughs> it's worth putting those things on in your theatres and leaving them on for longer than two days. Um, but Gladys Staines uh, was uh, in India with her husband serving God in a leprosy mission with their three children um, back in like the 1980s? 1999. 1999. Um, and uh, the husband and her, her two sons were um, tragically and cruelly uh, murdered in a, by um, an opposing group. The, the combi van was set on fire. It's a tragedy. To hear this lady just talk about that journey, that journey of her ability to forgive and to stay there for many years after that, and, and her trust journey. She's a very humble person who didn't sort of bang her own drum at all but you could just see that she had this you know heart that took this tragic dark place and allowed God to use it in her life and that was trust and relying so we're going to go to that place a bit today I've um Di and I have had a week of 
learning about trust. Um, it's been a tough week, in fact, on Monday when I sat down with God and said, what do you want me to talk about on this week? He said, um, uh, what you're going through this week. And I knew it was going to be a tough week. And I thought, oh, no, I cringed. <laughs> um, but as I sat down yesterday and processed the week and prepared some thoughts for today, I thought, oh, you know what, I think today has been for me. God's just given me an opportunity to, to debrief before him on this week. And uh, it's been very special. So if you, don't, if you don't get moved today by the message, who cares? I have been. <laughs> Come with me to Genesis 21. We won't go to the slide yet. Thanks, Olivia. But we're going to have a look at Genesis 21. And I want to just um, remind you of the story so far. So this man called Abraham has been called by God. And God has said to him, you will be the father of many, many, many descendants. Which was a bit odd because... Abraham at that stage didn't have any children, but he believed God. And then when Abraham's about 85, still no children, his wife's 10 years younger, still no children, his wife Sarai says, well, sleep with, your, with my Egyptian slave girl, Hagar, and have a child by her. And that was a very okay thing to do then in, in that culture. And um, Abraham did, and Hagar became pregnant, and she had a son. She called the son Ishmael, because God had said to her, call him Ishmael. Ishmael means God hears. And that went on okay. There was a bit of tension between Sarah and Sarai and um, Hagar. And eventually, um, God does fulfill his promise to Abraham and Sarah, changed their names, and now Abraham and Sarah, and they gave birth to Isaac. Um, and it was at Isaac's pre-weaning party celebration that things went sort of really bad. And, and Sarah said to Abraham, Ishmael, you're firstborn but by another woman. She can't share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. So you've got to kick him out. Abraham loved Ishmael, his firstborn son. He'd, he'd honoured him by they both were circumcised on the same day painful sort of way to honour someone, but it was honouring the son and showing his ownership of his son, Ishmael. Um, but Abraham, because of God's encouragement, then knew that he had to give Hagar and uh, Ishmael their eviction notice. And that's where we pick up the story today. Thanks for the first, first, uh, first whatever that thing's called, slide. Thanks, Olivia. So Abraham got up early the next morning. This is um, Genesis 21, verse 14. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Bathsheba. Just stand in Hagar's shoes right now. Up to now, it's been sort of fine. You know, she'd, she'd given birth to a son who had this uh, rightful inheritance to at least half of what Abraham had. She was living in a, a safe place, safe family, and now suddenly she is kicked out into the wilderness. And she loses everything. She loses the honour that she'd received for giving her birth. She'd, she loses the opportunity to see her son grow up in a, in a relatively wealthy household compared to the wilderness. And that's it. That's it. She's gone to a very dark place 
but it's about to get a little darker. Next slide, thanks. And when the water was gone, that's the water that Abraham had put in the sack, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. Imagine what it's like to abandon your child. Imagine what depth you've gone to, where you've, you finally have to say, the wilderness is a barren place, I love my son, but now I've, I've got not one drop of water to save his life and he's going to die and I can't stand to watch him die. So I'll walk a bow, a bow shot away, it says. About 100 metres, that's a fair distance. Um, far enough not to be able to hear the child's cry because she couldn't stand to watch him die. It says there she burst into tears. Um, the word, that doesn't actually do it justice. The word used there is a word called baka which is a word that literally means to wail, to lament, um, to complain. You know, you you imagine the the noise she was making. (laughs) It's the same word that was used when um, Jacob, the father of Joseph, when his sons came and said, Jacob, your favoured son Joseph has been attacked by wild animals and killed. And he (laughs) backard. He wailed and wailed and we told that, you know, people and family and friends tried to console him but he refused to be comforted. That's Hagar at this stage, at this moment. She's abandoned her guards and she was wailing and wailing. And then, next slide, thanks. But God heard the boy crying. Somehow God heard... Well, he would have heard Hagar crying, but the, the noise that touched his heart was the boy crying. The weak boy about to die. Wouldn't have been a loud noise, but he heard him crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, Hagar, what's wrong? He'd not told Hagar's response, but surely it's, what do you mean what's wrong? I've just been evicted. I've just been rejected. I've just been assigned to a life of wandering into the wilderness. My son is about to die. What do you mean? What's wrong? But there wasn't time for her to answer because the angel went straight on and said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. She was afraid. She was afraid of her son dying. She was afraid of what life held for her. She was in fear. But the thing is fear and trust don't go together, do they? If you're living a life of trust, you're not fearing. If you're fearing, you're not living a life of trust. And yet God somehow, this God who hears, who hears a baby cry, also sees. He sees the heart and he sees the source, the source of her pain and the source of her pain is this fear. He says, God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for he will make a great nation for his descendants. The King James Version says, um, lift him up, take his hand, and lead him into the future that I have prepared for him. Take him up. In other words, you know that, that walk you've just, you've just done to walk away from the problem, to walk away from one darkness into another darkness? He says, reverse that. Go back. Go back to the thing you can't stand to watch and lift him up and take him by his hand and lead him into the future. You see, the, the stepping stones to trust are often submission. 
to give up, to just submit to God, to recognize that God is, and that God is the great provider, and that God is this God of compassion who hears the cry of the child and who sees your pain. He says, submit to God and sacrifice, give up. Hagar, give up on your view, on your opinion that the only option is to walk away and wail. Sacrifice that. (laughs) I've got a right to wail. My son is dying. Sacrifice your rights to God and obey what God says. Go and do something. Go and comfort your son. Go and lead him by the hand. In humility. Do that humbly to follow God. They're the stepping stones to trust often. It's the things that are getting in the way of our trust, of our lack of submission, our lack of sacrifice, our, our sometimes lack of awareness of what obedience is and our pride. But to walk that way and to rely on God is important. Next verse, thanks. Then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink and God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. When you exercise that trust, God opens your eyes. And what Hagar opened God's, her eyes, what God opened Hagar's eyes to was that he is a God of provision, that she might have not have had any water, but there was a well of water. In a previous wilderness experience for Hagar, she'd, um, before Hagar was born, actually, she'd gone into the wilderness, she'd had a bit of a row with Sarai, and she'd gone into the wilderness, she'd run away. And God had appeared and said, you'll have a son and you shall call him Ishmael, which means God hears. And she said, at the end of that conversation, she said, from now on, I will know my God as the God who sees. Because she said, God has seen me. So he's a God who hears and the God who sees. And she named the well of that place where she was, where she encountered God, the well of the God who sees. And it's like God is saying to Hagar and saying to us today, come to the well of the God who sees. It does everything you need for your journey through that place where you can't see one ray of light because it's all darkness. Come to that well. And God was with the boy as he grew up. Ishmael didn't die in the wilderness that day. He grew to, he died at 137 and fulfilled God's uh, promise that he would be the father of many and he had 12 sons. And um, we read of the Ishmaelites at one point when, when Joseph actually is uh, dropped into the well and is picked up by a caravan of traders going off somewhere. We're told that they were Ishmaelites. So they were a body of people to be to be feared and to be recognized. They, he didn't, the thing that she most feared didn't happen. Instead, God raised up this son because he fulfilled his promise, just like he fulfilled his promise to Abraham. And if God makes us a promise and the book is full of them, we can trust in that God and in his promise and in his word because if he promises, he will fulfill them. Go back. Let's go to the next slide, thanks, which I think is maybe the theme slide. If you're walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. Hmm. That's, 
That's, that's where Di and I have been this week, walking in a place of darkness without a single ray of light. Not so much personally, although it did impact us great, greatly, but it's because we knew of 45 young people, children, young people, over 18, who, although they didn't know it, that by the end of this week, they would be doing an Ishmael, being abandoned again. Uh, these kids who have once had been rescued by a Hagar, it was like they were put back under, going to be put back under the bush again. wasn't a surprise. We knew um, several months ago, um, maybe even the end of last year, that they needed to come down from um, the top of the country that we work in. Um, that declared that every child over the age of 18 must no longer be cared for uh, by anybody other than a government welfare agency. And they would all be moved back. It didn't matter if they were disabled or not disabled, if they had needs, if they had you know, specific things, they would just be moved back. Now, to put that into context for you, there's 45 young people, all with disabilities, many of them wheelchair-bound, many of them with, not, with limited cognitive ability, all of them with some form of disability, at some time in their life they had been abandoned, probably like Hagar, by reluctant parents, we don't know, but they had been abandoned, they had left in a place where they had nothing. And when you're abandoned, you're found on the street or in the marketplace and you're taken to the government and the government puts you in what they call a welfare centre. But in those days, specifically, that that meant going to a place where the conditions were horrible, where the, the chances of survival were really slim. And those who did survive, survived to a life that would have no therapy, no medication, no one looking after your, your condition, not very good food, certainly not nutritious food, no education, no opportunities for life, and no love and no care. And then along the way, this group, you are somehow um, attached to this group called ICC. You're planted in the care of ICC and suddenly everything changes for you. You suddenly find what love is and what care is and what family is. And you find someone who says, look, you know, we can help you. You don't have to have a life where you don't walk anymore. We can help you that way. We, we can extend your life and we can give you opportunities and hope that means your life is just so rich compared to how it was. And most of all, we'll introduce you to a Father God who leads you to the well of the God who sees because that God has heard your cry. And you think you're going to have a life continually in that care and then one day, one day you're putting on a bus and you're taken back to where you started. Conditions have improved a bit maybe, but there was no ray of light. We didn't know really what they were going back to. We were told at one stage they wouldn't be able to take anything, including their wheelchairs that had been specially made for them. They wouldn't have any opportunities for those um, life-giving learning opportunities that fill their days. That wouldn't happen. They would spend their days just sitting, watching. They were all had grown up in family groups, 
it looked like they would be going back to institutionalised living. And when we went to them, and when I say we, by the way, I'm talking about the leaders of ICC on the field. I just We just use that term, but it wasn't me personally. And we gave them a list of all the children and all the, their needs and who was friends with who and who was in family groups and all this sort of stuff. And I said, we don't need that. Didn't even look at it. I didn't care. And we feared for these kids. We had told... We told them that this would happen at some time, but they didn't know it was going to happen this week. And we did. We knew the date of May the 26th had been allocated for the day they would go. And put yourself in the shoes of the team that Di and I are officially the pastors for. <laughs> and we're here. And they're there. And we're trying to find a way to support them and encourage them at the same time dealing with our own grief. It was dark. And there wasn't a ray of light. And uh, you know what it's like when you want to just encourage somebody and you're hurting yourself too. And I, um, These guys, some of them have known these children. I mean, some of the children we met in 2001, we've known them for a while, known of them for a long while. And, but some of them have lived with them since 2001 and they've, they've cared for them and they're, 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 like, they're like their parents. And this week they've had to go to work every day and try to be normal. And as the kids talked about their future, they've known inside that they're, they're going to have a very different future. But they haven't been able to say Friday this is going to happen because the government has said, don't tell them. Don't tell them because some of them will self-harm. Don't tell them because some of them will escape. Just don't tell them to the last minute that their life is just going to go. So I sat down on, on Tuesday and, and I just felt like God was saying, you know what, right, I mean, my WeChat and WhatsApp have been going crazy this week. I mean, they're just like overloaded with messages. They're always in contact. But it was like God said, write personally to each one of the team members. So I sat down not knowing what to write. I was asking God for something to give them, you know, individually. I'm saying, God, give me a word, give me a word, give me something. And um, it was funny because like rattling around in my brain was this hymn that I haven't sung for 50 years. About 24, 25 from the UK. They've only been there for about eight or nine months. They've fallen in love with the kids and they've, they've, whatever their expectations were like of what it would be on missions, they'd never expected a week like this. And I thought it, maybe there'd be a verse that would lift them up or a modern song or something, but there's this old song rattling around in my brain. Um... I might have sang it at my dad's funeral, actually, because it was one of his favourites, but it just wouldn't leave me. And as I'm typing on the computer, it was like my fingers just like started typing out this song. <laughs> it was really weird. And the song says this. Just get used to it. I'll catch up occasionally. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain? Will your anchor drift or firm remain? Do we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love? Old language, old concepts. Why write that? 
But I immediately got a note back. I said, wow, thanks for sending that song. I never heard that before. I just found it on YouTube. And I, if I've got time, I'm going to learn it and sing it over the kids. Can you imagine? They're going to sing over the kids. That, that truth, that truth, that when, you're, when your anchor is grounded in the Saviour's love, it's grounded. The Saviour's love for them, the Saviour's love for the team. And that's, that's where trust comes in. I was um, fishing a couple of a month or so ago with my son-in-law out in the deep. Well, deep for me anyway. Um, you put the anchor in and you can't see it, right? You can't see it. It's down in the bottom there somewhere. And occasionally Nick will, Nick will say to me, Dad, can you make sure the anchor's holding, you know? And I'd have to sort of check it. There wasn't an issue with the anchor. There wasn't an issue with the seabed. That was as strong as anything. The issue was, was the connection between the anchor and the seabed strong? And that's where the trust is. It's in the connection. Trusting in the Saviour's love. Trusting in the one who hears and who sees and who leads us to the well of the God who sees me. And put your anchor. And I was, I was blessed by that. I was encouraged by that. That God had done that. And there was another lady called, who I was writing to that day. She's the leader of the team. She's carrying this like huge burden. Uh, responsibility. She's got to be strong for everybody else. And, and, I, and I'm riding it. I'm thinking, God, what do I send to Karen then? I was buoyed by the anchor thing. What do, what, what do I send to Karen? And it was like, I'm not kidding. It was like God said, Remember that she sent you an email a couple of years back? Karen sends me lots of emails. But this one had a song in it. I go, yeah, I remember. She sent me an email with a song in it. And that's all I remembered. So I went into my search engine on my email app thing, and I put in Karen. And if I'd left it at that, I would have got hundreds of emails. So I put in song, and then for some reason, I put in casting crowns because... I don't remember the song, but I thought, well, she loves casting crowns. I don't know why I put in casting crowns. And one email came up, right? And it came up with a song that I am familiar with. Uh, I know a bit. Um, but I, at the time, I didn't know it. And it was in September, no, March the 24th, 1915. Karen had sent me this song. What? 1915. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm younger than I am. I look younger than I am. Try 2015. It would have found it in 1915. You said we didn't have email. Um, 2015, she had said she was going through a tough time then and she'd sent this song and said on the email, oh, this song's really lifted me up. And it was then a new song, I think, by Casting Crowns. So I put that in her email too. Amazing. You may not think this is amazing because you think, oh, Jeff knows that song and... You know, they're good words to pick. But I, I just found the email, right? To the lady who's in charge. Hold it together. Everybody needs you strong. But life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's freedom in surrender. Let it down and let it go. So when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just 
just be held. Your words are not, your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. I'm on the throne. Stop holding on and just be held. Just be held. There wouldn't have been more words that would have touched Karen more that day than those words. So exactly what she needed to hear to grow her trust. And God does that to us, doesn't he? He gives us things that grow our trust, that lead us that, to that place where we exercise our trust in him. And the week went on and uh, it just kept going and kept growing and we started seeing these sort of rays of light. Like a couple of the girls going saying, maybe, maybe God wants us to be the light in the dark place. Wow. Wow, that's big. That's huge. And when they heard, when they, heard they were going, um, they started WeChatting each other, these kids. And you know what the WeChats were full of? Scriptures. They were encouraging each other with the word of God. We were so blessed by that. To know that God was preparing for this place. A bit disappointed that we knew we'd have to destroy all them from their phones before they left. But they were saying, these kids are strong. These kids are, these kids are hanging in there. And on the day they left, nobody had self-harmed and nobody had run away. And they were put on a bus on Friday. And the message we got was that the ones crying were the ones left behind saying goodbye. But the kids on the bus were smiling and waving. 95% of them were smiling and waving. God had, God had done something in their hearts as they went to this place. And then they were delivered there and one of our Chinese carers went with them and she sent us a message when, we, when they got home and we were so buoyed because the rays of light, we were seeing the rays of light and they weren't put... She found out they weren't put in institutionalised conditions. They were put in rooms of five, which was a blessing. Five of the girls, particularly who were close to each other, were put in the same group. And the carers that met them um, seemed to show them love and care. And although we were told they would never allow any visitors, we wouldn't have any contact with these kids ever again because it's in a compound and no one outside knows what it's like inside, no one inside knows what it's like outside because they can never leave, that was it. We were told that after three months settling, we can go and visit them if we apply and go through all the hoops. But it's like suddenly there was this little light came that goes, wow, we're not leaving them forever, they're not leaving us forever. We thank God for those rays of light and then, as I was preparing this message yesterday, I'm praying. I, I'm still praying, as I have been all this week, about these kids and saying, and God, sort of, I just really feel like, when I say God said to me, this thought came to me, that once we were the Hagars who were there to come to those kids because God heard their cry and lift them to the future, there's a whole load of kids who have been living in Welfare Centre 2 for, for their lives up to now. And God has heard their cry. And the hey guys, he's sending it's not us. It's those 45 kids. And I'd miss that ray of light. But God said, this is, I've got this. You can trust me. You can rely on me. And as I pray for those kids every day, I encourage you to join me in praying for them. 
I would remind you of that verse in um, the most well-known verse, I guess, about trust. Trust. Um, Diane knows it well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And you know, another word for trusting is leaning because that verse says when the, when the winds are blowing, when the storm is blowing, you tend to lean into the wind, right? And you lean either to, to this side, which is your own understanding and your own wisdom. You lean that side or you lean into God. That's what trust in God is, leaning into him. I want to encourage you to lean hard in whatever dark place you're facing, whatever dark place some of your friends, your family are facing, to lean hard into God. I used that theme a couple of years ago in a, in a retreat and I had some, some, of them, some, bookmarks, some bookmarks made just as a reminder for the people and I over-ordered at the time and then forgot about it and I, this week I was just looking for something else and I bumped into about 30 of these cards. On the back, that lovely verse that says, Come unto me, all, the, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that side says, lean hard. Lean hard. I want to encourage you this week to lean hard. If you want to join me this week and lead hard into God for those kids to lift them up every day these 45 young people just pray with us for them pray for our team but also look at your own life and go what is God teaching me about trust right now even if the light is shining brightly and everything's well with you he's teaching you about trust there's a dark place where you can't see a ray of light he is teaching you about trust like he has taught us this week and I just found, I was quite amazed last night, we went to this meeting to hear Gladys, and I just found at the beginning as we sang a couple of worship songs, how God raised this worship within me, a week that started off going, this is going to be a dark week, ended with me worshipping him last night from a place that I didn't know existed within me, because I'd seen God shine his light. Um, as I say, I found about 30 of these, they happened to be in my pocket, and I would love them to go to a good home. So look, if you'd like one of these today, there you go. Uh, well done. If you'd like one of these today, um, come and grab one. <laughs> this is why we do that. Um, and grab them afterwards. If they're in your bookmark, they can be a reminder this week to pray. They can be a reminder. They might just, you might put them in your Bible and go, I don't know why I need that, but I'll put it there in a week's time, two weeks' time, a year's time, you go, I've got to lean hard into God. You want to understand that? So I might put them on coffee tables or something in the back, but I'd love them all to go to a good home. They don't need to fill up that little corner in the pocket, but lean hard. We know that verse... That, that song that I read out before, there's another verse somewhere that says, oh. you know what? I don't know whether it's a bit blurry. Yeah. If your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you know I always have and I always will. If your eyes are on the cross. The day that Jesus died, the world went very dark. We're told from midday till three o'clock, darkness covered the earth and the sun could not be seen, it says. And at that time, the veil was 
was torn from the top to the bottom. That symbol of a separation between God's presence and mankind was destroyed in the darkness. As Jesus said his last words on earth, which were, I trust my spirit to you. He trusted his spirit to God in the midst of that darkness.